This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you want to talk to any of our guests that we've had on the show, that's the way you do it. Just uh, send a message and say, hey, I want to ask the person that you had on that was a dispatcher about their program and uh, send it to feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast and then we forward it on to them. Um, also, quick announcements, aviationcareerspodcast.com. You still can find the scholarships guide there, the career coaching and also the various uh, courses that we have online. And don't forget to use the Pay It Forward coupon code. We have some left over. What is that? Well, the Pay It Forward campaign is where people can actually pay it forward by buying you a scholarship guide. You can either buy one or you can buy multiple copies. For every five that are purchased, we throw in one for free. So if you buy five, we'll make sure that at least six people get the scholarships guide that we have on. Want to find out more about that scholarships guide? Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on the scholarships guide. We have scholarships for everything, including dispatchers. So again, the pay it forward tab on the top right also, there's a video about pay it forward, simply how it works. Well, today I have with me uh, Michael Carrolls. He's a dispatcher that we spoke with back in episode 139. Now, that was in May of 2017, and he's going to join us for an industry update because, as you can tell, we've been talking a lot about dispatcher certificates. Uh, One of the things that you have asked for is more discussion on other careers in aviation, and this is what we've wanted to bring to you, and now we have people that are in the industry and experts in the field. Uh, He also, Michael has a podcast, by the way, called Flying in Life, where he shares his enthusiasm for all things aviation. Uh, please visit his show, flyingandlife.com. Hey, Michael, welcome back to the show, man. It's been a while. It has been, Carl. Uh, thanks so much for having me back. It's uh, it's always fun to talk about uh, being a dispatcher and the men behind the curtain of, of an airline. Right. The men, I like that. The, the, the people that are behind that curtain are, are very important people. But uh, before we, so we're doing an update. So if you get a chance, listen to 139. But we, we'll just really quickly redefine what a, what a dispatcher actually is and, and what they do. So at an airline, what is it that you do as a dispatcher? As a dispatcher, uh, we share the operational control with the pilot in command here in the United States. So for us, uh, take one specific flight, uh, flight 123 from Atlanta down to Miami, let's say. And so about two hours prior to that flight, the dispatcher pulls up the flight in the flight planning system and then begins to flight plan that flight. Uh, Go through looking at uh, the departure airport, the departure weather uh, the departure notums, all of the in route uh, airspace and route of flight and weather and notums, turbulence, and everything like that. And then finally, same thing down at the arrival airport, where we do a thorough flight plan uh, for the pilots, and we do and we hit and send the release button uh, with looking at the cargo, the passenger loads, the the amount of fuel are we going to have to take? Uh, is the aircraft going to be overweight? Are we going to have enough um, runway safety margin and all of that taken care of? And then finally, we're going to go through and uh, we're going to 
once everything looks good and we feel that it's going to be a completely safe operation to fly people from point A to point B, uh, we'll go ahead and hit the release button, which will then open up the paperwork to our uh, load planning department, opens up the paperwork to the airport so they can start actually physically loading the aircraft. And then it opens the paperwork to the pilots where they can actually see the work in the document that we did called the dispatch release, which will have all of the information on there about their route of flight, uh, winds aloft, uh, temperature, their time of flight, all of that information that the pilots need to then input into the FMS. They read that from the dispatch release. And then we don't stop there. Um, We continue to monitor the flight uh, from prior to pushback through pushback, all the way until that flight uh, gets into the gate at the destination. Uh, A dispatcher is always there in constant contact and uh, communication, updating the flight crew in route. Not only do we send updates, but the flight crew really relies on us as their eyes and ears of the operation. And if there's something that goes wrong on their end, uh, be a mechanical issue, a passenger issue, or something of that nature, they call us first and we help help support the crew in the things that they need to get done. So the dispatcher is in charge of more than one flight, but operational control on that flight, uh, and this is what I always tell people, is that I'm the pilot in command, I sign for the paperwork, but I the other person that's control that flight is the dispatcher too. So that's it's a really, really important role. Um, the one thing, though, I think a lot of people think is that you have to have a lot of experience actually being a pilot, and that's actually not true. There's people that actually go and take courses on being a dispatcher. So, Michael, I know you have some experience as a pilot, but do you work with uh, dispatchers that are not pilots at all? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I would say only a small handful of my office now actually have uh, control time experience, actually sitting manipulating the controls of an airplane or even having any sort of pilot certificates. Uh, I got my dispatch certificate after I had already been a pilot. So I find that it's a little bit more useful to have your pilot certificate, but it's completely not required. We've had plenty of dispatchers that just went and took the part uh, 63 courses at the different uh, different schools you can go get your certificate at. And then that's their aviation knowledge right there. That's what they know. And that's where their knowledge starts or stops, you could say. So to review, people, you don't have to be a pilot to, to get your dispatcher certificate. I think a lot of people have been, there's a misconception amongst some people, I think, online. So it's like, you don't have to do that. But you do go to a training course. It's usually about 200 hours. Uh, it's, it's required by the FAA to go through that course if you have no experience. If you have some experience, interestingly, and we've talked about this before, you can actually place out a part of that course. So you don't have to actually go through the whole training. There's a lot of different programs out there that get you ready for that written exam. And also included, it's not just a written exam. There's also a practical test. Now, Michael, I know you. I think you've had yours for a while, but did you have to take a practical test for your ATP, or excuse me, for your dispatcher? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, it's kind of funny you say ATP. The the dispatcher uh, written exam is basically the same thing as your ATP written exam. The only difference is there's a couple of sections of questions that are not asked of a dispatcher that are asked of the ATP. But those are a very small handful of questions that are not in the same 
a same bank of questions that the FAA uses. So you, you are basically getting your ATP. And if, if you are getting your dispatch training and you're doing it as almost like as a backup plan, uh, add on at a school to kind of go ahead and do it, you might as well take your ATP written exam right away because you're going to be studying for the same questions again. So if you're at a point in your flight training or your flying career where you're going to need that ATP written and you're going to get it in the same time frame uh, before it expires, I'd suggest doing them both at the same time. Uh, so there's that. But yeah, I, I did do a practical test and before the, the standards have changed where now dispatchers are learning on a 737. Uh, back when I did my dispatch certificate, it was still using a 727 as the base airplane. And But yeah, you sat there, you did an oral uh, exam, and then you did a practical test where you uh, went through, were given a flight, and uh, the examiner watched how you flight planned, and then you gave them a fuel load and time and route, and basically did a, a paper release and... Uh, that was the last time I ever did a manual flight plan. <laughs> now it's all automated. Uh, but, you know, it's it's important to know that stuff. And you mentioned an examiner. So you went you went to one of these schools and all. You took your written exam. The examiner is actually somebody who's designated by the FAA. They uh, don't necessarily work at the flight school or at the school that ha- has the dispatch program. And many times, they, most of the time, they don't. They actually have to, you have to get someone to come in and take that test, uh, take that practical test. And during that exam, it's, uh, you get the prep for it and all, and there's a lot of schools out there, and obviously Polk State has been doing it, but uh, I think it's a terrific career field. And this is something I, I think I want to stress to people, and Michael, please back me up on this one, is that there's not too many things that you can do, like the dispatcher program, come out of, say, a high school and go right into this and start preparing. Obviously, there's an age standard, but with just a high school diploma, make this kind of money. And by that kind of money, I know people working at a regional airline, and they're making $40,000 to start with no other experience. Uh, And then after you get experience, moving on to like management positions of even up to 100000 moving on to the majors, making, you know, 50, 60, 150,000 annually. So there is a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, so yes, there, and Michael, I'm sure you can back me up on that, but to, to actually make it to that level of the, the mid 100s, do you need to have that college degree, do you think? No, there are, there are plenty of people that I work with at the major airline that that have no college degree at all. They, they came in, they're dispatchers, and they don't have a college diploma. Now, airlines, and, you know, as you're going through and you're trying to get hired and be hired by a major airline, you're going to you're gonna want to have that. They're going to want to see that on your resume. Um, otherwise, you, you can, you're going to not be a standout candidate like someone that did have a, a, a college degree or even now a master's degree. You know, the, the more training and schooling that you get, you know, that's just going to be something that helps you put your resume up a little bit higher in a, in a scoring a- algorithm. 
So to add to that, too, if you're somebody who's looking at getting into it in a management role and a management side, yeah, I would definitely get the, the bachelor's and even maybe even the MBA if that's where you want to go with this. Uh, but but with that said, again, the salaries are really good. So on on the major side of things, because that's where you work, just maybe uh, you can give us a range possibly of the, the type of money that someone could make working for for a major airline. I, it's kind of great. And we were talking about this a, a little bit ago uh, at work, but the starting salary at a, a dispatcher at my airline is now higher than what a topped out dispatcher was making at the airline prior to we merged. So you're talking about 10 years of, of raises in industry growth and sustained profitability now allow the salaries to come up. Uh, into a great level. But I think it's starting dispatcher at the airline works. I think they start off um, once they get signed off, start in the, the mid 60s. And then we top out easily at 150. And then there are other specialized departments within the dispatch department that you can put you almost up to the 200 level. And then you put overtime in there and you can easily make over 200,000 a year. And an airline pilot would have to go through quite a bit of training and many years before they actually get to that point of making the 200000 So uh, it, it really is, I think, a wonderful career. It's also a good backup plan. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that if you're thinking of doing this as a backup, I, I think it's a great idea. For those guys or gals that are actually uh, ATPs, Airline Transport Pilot uh, Certificate, uh, flying for the airline, I think it's great to go ahead and do it. Uh, I would definitely get a little bit of training before you sit for the exam. Uh, you're going to have to get signed off and stuff like that to do that, I think, for the practical side. But for the written, um, you know, you can pretty much uh, take it and be ready for it because you've been going through this. I have been hanging out and watching the dispatch course lately, and I'll tell you what, I I haven't seen some of that stuff in a while. And like you were saying, the last time you did a manual flight plan was was actually uh, back when you were getting ready for your written exam. So would you recommend to somebody who's an airline pilot or a pilot in general that uh, has their ATP to go ahead and, and do that, go to a course maybe to do their written? Yeah, I, I think so. Like if you're if you have your ATP and you're flying and you you just want more information or you want another certificate in your pocket just to just in case some health happens that you lose your medical, um, I would strongly suggest going and trying to find a one of the parts. I think it's part sixty three schools uh, to go through. You have all the knowledge. You know all that. You have a good grasp of the basic knowledge. But now this course will take you back to. Uh, the more manual things and the manual calculations of how we as airlines operate. But also, being a dispatcher is not just about aviation knowledge and that. Being a dispatcher, you need to know and have a decent knowledge of uh, what are the flight attendant rules, what are the pilot contract and work duty rules, what are some of the ground operation in the airport operation limitations you know what are some of the limitations on the passenger side and the reservation side of your system being a dispatcher you really have to dabble and have knowledge in the entire operation of the airline so you can be a better support for your airline your flights and your crews and ultimately our customers who are trusting us to get them from point a to point b 
So you were talking about schools. I'm sure the next question will be like, where can I find those schools? Well, uh, the FAA actually has a list. Uh, it's actually on uh, Part 65 is actually, I think, what you meant to say. But uh, the, there are the Part 65 aircraft dispatcher courses. They're on the FAA website. As a matter of fact, just to help you out, I will, I'm going to do that right now. I'm making a copy of it. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Uh, there's lots of them out there. No matter what state you're in, you can probably find one. Uh, many times what they'll do on the courses, they'll make them uh, something that is really compact. In other words, you're going to class six weeks straight all day long. It's 200 hours. And then you get signed off for the written, signed off for the practical exam, and then you have it. Uh, so it's worth the six weeks of, of really hard work. I'm actually sitting near people that are going through this right now. It's tough. It's fun. It's interesting. Uh, it can kind of wear you out a little bit, but it sure is worth it. If you uh, look at those salaries, yeah, it sure is worth it. But there's more to work than just salaries. And uh, a big part of our jobs in our lives is to get some type of satisfaction out of the work that we do. So, Michael, as far as your job, do you still enjoy doing the dispatching? And what is it that you enjoy about it? I do. I like, uh, I still enjoy going to work. And, you know, they say if, if you enjoy your job, you'll never work a day in your life. And, and I still feel that I enjoy still going to work. And going into work is different every day because uh, your job is dependent on the weather. And if it's uh, the fall and it's a great Great time, great weather in the fall in the United States where most of our flights operate. Working is going to be great. And now you're going to have that challenge to meet uh, the company's fuel goal policies and really, really be able to save the company money with fuel. But then on the opposite side, in spring and winter, and especially now here, I mean, especially this year, the summer season this year has been very difficult for the operation and you go in there and now you have all this adversity in the system that you as a dispatcher have to manage in order to keep the safety of, of your flights. And by adversity, I mean the weather, the thunderstorms, the air traffic control uh, traffic management initiatives, the ground stops, the ground delay programs, the airspace flow programs, all of that that brings delay into your flights that now increases your workload. And then then you have the diversion events where your major hub airport gets hit by a line of thunderstorms or you got flights going into New York City like uh, a couple of nights ago where they were shut off for about four or five hours of having no arrivals. And now you have your airline has 30 or 40 diversions and your flights have diverted to their alternates. And now you still have to keep those flights <laughs> up and up to date plus all the flights that you have coming down that are continued to schedule. So that also just helps increase your workload. But, you know, it's that it's that stress and that work that is kind of very, it, it's fun. You know, you sometimes it's good to go into work when you know you're going to get have a, a heavy workload day and you know you're going to get beat up. But at the end of it, you know you're going to have some satisfaction that you got through it. And as great as a dispatcher is, once you get relieved of your flights, you're done. That problem is now another dispatcher's responsibility. You're not going to go home. You're not going to pick up your laptop and continue to do work or anything like that. All of the work that we do gets left in the office, and then we come home, and then we're just off. And you leave it behind. I think that's really cool. I mean, that's something about the airline pilot job people like is you're done, you're off. And it's the same for dispatchers. Obviously, there's a little bit of training, but that's not much. I mean, when on your day's off. But So, Michael, um, 
you know, I'm sure that there's so many things you love about the job and, and enjoy, but there are challenges. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges either for you or maybe you've heard from your coworkers? I think some of our biggest challenges as we go into the job day to day is, is kind of like what I just said. It's the weather. It's the it's the outside factors that we have to deal with. It's the weather. It's the the thunderstorms, the snow, the winds, the hurricanes, and then it's the need of the company to try to push in our operation to make sure we get our customers from point A to point B. And then, and finally, the biggest challenge, you know, would then be air traffic control and how they feel that they need to manage the safety of the air traffic control system, which will then impair our operation into and out of certain airports. So those are the those are the biggest challenges that change on a daily basis for a dispatcher. And then, like anything, there's always company challenges, and there are corporate goals that need to be met and different new tools that come down that are challenging that you need to try to get used to uh, working and develop those new tools into your already produced workflow. Even though those those actually are, some of those sound like kind of fun challenges too, you know, or could be depending on your, your perspective, you know. So uh, that those are things that I think uh, I think people don't realize is that uh, every job has those. They have challenges, but but overall, it's worth it. I mean, I, I'm not sure I've met too many dispatchers that didn't like their job. Uh, I do see some people leaving for other industries. Uh, occasionally, I've seen people go to uh, dispatching like in uh, warehousing and trucking and stuff like that. Uh, I, and maybe it's because of its uh, the location, a geographic location, because most dispatchers uh, don't commute. Even though I know some that do commute, they usually work uh, where the airline dispatch office is. And I was wondering, Michael, is that true also where you are? Do most people live in uh, wherever the dispatch uh, office is? Yeah, I would say 95% of us live in the metropolitan area where the airline headquarters is based. I mean, dispatchers are not all over the country. You can't just go find a dispatch job everywhere. If you want to work for an airline, that dispatch job is going to be in the same town or even on the campus of that airline's corporate headquarters. I mean, so you're talking uh, Dallas for American and Southwest. You're talking Chicago for United, Atlanta for Delta. Uh, I believe JetBlue is up in New York. And I think Spirit is down there in in Florida. But, you know, you, you most of us live where we're based at. Now, I will say that there are about 5% of the dispatchers in my office that don't. They commute. There are some guys that still go up to Minneapolis because that's where their house is. There's a lot of guys that, as they're getting older, are already starting to go further south, and they will live down in Florida and commute up for work and then commute back. It it is very flexible and very possible to do that, uh, to commute. Um, At my airline, we get our schedules uh, a year in advance. So instead of like a pilot bidding every month to what they're going to do the next month, we bid our schedules in January, and then our year runs uh, April 1st through March 31st. So we kind of already can plan out what you're going to do for a good next 12 months and where you can commute and where you can't and, you know, where you take vacation and where you don't. So you can you can really plan that all out. And so another great thing about being a dispatcher is we have a lot of time off as well. It's almost to the point where we're working maybe 
maybe anywhere between 15 to 20 uh, days a year. Um, some of the regionals work a, a four-on-three-off type rotation. And then when you get into uh, the different departments for like me, like before vacation hits, I'm only going into the office, I think, about 150 days a year. Wow, that that's pretty cool. But and you said 15, 20 days a month. So that's that's just like a lot of pilots, uh, 15 to 20 days. You know, most pilots are about 15 days off to 12 days off a month. And uh the cool thing is you got travel benefits. Uh, whoever you're working for, whatever major you're working for, even cargo airlines, you have those travel benefits. Uh, and the wonderful thing about flying a bit with a big network carrier is you're flying on your own airline. So you actually get above those other people that are flying from other airlines when you're on the standby list. Uh, so taking advantage of the travel benefits is really, really cool. You know, and when it comes to when talk about travel, Carl, and all of that, not only do we get the travel benefits, as dispatchers, we are required to sit in the flight deck of a aircraft we would normally dispatch for five hours every year. And we have to sit and observe the pilot's work and see the operation as it goes. That's that's a federal aviation regulation that we have to do that. Because of that regulation, we, not only do we have travel benefits, but dispatchers also have jump seat access and are in, in the CAS system, uh, cockpit access security system. So our picture is in there as well. So not only do we have travel benefits, but we also have jump seat benefits and reciprocal dispatch agreements with most of the other airlines, just like a pilot would as well. I am so glad you brought that up because that makes a difference between you getting there and not getting there. That extra jump seat, which is an observation seat in the cockpit, and some airlines uh, dispatchers can also sit in the extra flight attendant jump seats in the back. So that makes it avail many seats available for you to get to a destination. Like say you're traveling by yourself or you're traveling with your family and your family gets seats, but there's only one seat left and that's in the cockpit on the jump seat you're going. And uh, that makes uh, a difference while you're traveling around. Plus, it's a lot of fun to sit up there, isn't it? Absolutely. It is. Of course, you're also talking to a guy that's a, a pilot as well. So I, I love going up there. I love seeing the airport uh, take off in the landing side of things. And even the, the different experiences that I've had internationally, seeing the oceanic operations in person really, really develops exactly what's going on in your mind as a dispatcher, as you were monitoring 12 to 14 flights going across the North Atlantic, you, you can understand those operations and their situations where in case something does go wrong, you know the, the adversity that the crew has to do and the amount of traffic they're going through to deal with to actually do something. So this sounds like a really cool job. Um, of course, most importantly, uh, we may have to make sure there's going to be jobs in the future for dispatchers. I personally, from everything I've seen, I've read, experienced, uh, there are a lot of jobs out there. Just like in all the other jobs in the aviation world, there's people retiring and there's growth. So uh, definitely a lot of growth in the dispatch side of things. Uh, how about uh, the airline you're working for? Are you starting to see a trend either now or in the future for jobs? We have been hiring uh, a lot ever since I got hired. Um, you know, I got hired, I think about 13 years ago, I started with the airline. And now, now I am almost halfway up our seniority list, uh, which is which still boggles my mind. I always consider myself to be one of the younger new guys. And now I realize, no, I actually got 13 years of experience here. I, I kind of know know a little bit more than some of these new people that are coming in. But you have that in 
we we did some analysis on our seniority list the other day. We were talking about it at work, but our at my airline, our median age is 52. And I think the average age is just below that. So you're talking about it where you're going to have almost half of our work group going to be retiring, you know, in the next 10 to 15 years. So that's, you know, 200 dispatchers that will need to be uh, replaced by new dispatchers. And regional airlines are always hiring as well. Now, regional airlines, it's pretty easy to get a, a job at in that aspect but it's when a major airline is hiring dispatchers, there are lots of applicants and it's still very competitive to get a job at a major airline because now major airlines, they are hiring those supervisory level positions from the regional airline. So right now as you starting a, a career and I've had friends uh, you know, ask me, how do I get hired where I work? And they go and I tell them, get as much experience as you can at the regional. Uh, be a dispatcher. Uh, go ahead and a lot of regionals call them sector supervisors where you're you're dealing with a fleet of airplanes and you're making operational decisions of do we swap uh, airplane breaks? Do we swap to another airplane? Which flights to delay? Which flights do we cancel to keep our operation moving? You get that experience. And then if you can make it up to do a, a duty manager level in your regional and the more experience you see that that's going to make your resume and your experience and your chances of getting hired by a major airline that much greater. And even still, when any of the major airlines post a job posting, almost everyone shares it. And I know I share it on my Twitter feed and my social media from the podcast. When when a major airline is hiring, that's that's a big deal because it only happens for dispatchers. It maybe each airline once or twice a year. So that is something you have to keep uh, abreast of and, uh, you know, monitor. So if you're really interested in an airline and being a dispatcher at a major airline, make sure you do that. Make sure you follow them. There's some great ways to do that. LinkedIn is a good place to go. Uh, Facebook, et cetera. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn just because that's where all the different uh, HR or hiring managers are. Um, as far as uh, careers that people are changing from and into being a dispatcher, it varies tremendously. Uh, one of the things I think people start thinking of is, you know, what makes a successful dispatcher? I think part of what you just said, uh, getting that experience, moving on, making sure you have actually the experience maybe with a, a regional, et cetera, and getting the experience, that's important for becoming a, a major airline dispatcher. But there's many careers out there. Uh, I think having the right attitude is very important. But for instance, I um, uh, just as an example, I have somebody who worked for the airline I'm working for in a uh, department that they sold off uh, in a division and, and loves working for the airline, but now said, hey, I'm going to become a dispatcher because they probably won't sell that side of the business software. We hope not. <laughs> and so, so they're working towards that. So no matter what, you could have been in electronics, you could have been in customer service, uh, you could have been in many different fields and other back. You could have been a dispatcher in logistics and trucking, et cetera, and want to come over to this field. I, there's just so many different places people can come from. And I'm sure, Michael, you, you probably have some other examples. Yeah, absolutely. And my airline is really good about hiring internal candidates as well, where they'll do maybe a whole class of just internals and then do another external hiring class or mix between internal candidates and external candidates. It's gotten to the point where 
my airline also has its own part 65 school. So there's a, there's opportunities at my airline where you have your ramp agents, other people in the company. We've had crew schedulers. We've had uh, crew trackers. Um, our weight and balance, uh, load control people have gone and taken the uh, part 65 course through the airline and then then have gotten a job as a dispatcher because of that course. And the, the company then offers a, a deeply discounted Part 65 course compared to what you would actually get for it if you went somewhere else, basically. So it's good. Um, we've had dispatchers hired that are uh, ramp agents, dispatchers that are hired, or tower managers. We've had people come from performance engineering and working really into the the numbers and the airplane side of things and become dispatchers that way. Uh, and even still just, you know, HR and administrative people that have become uh, dispatchers as well. I mean, the, the field is very open uh, and it's, I can't say it enough, but being a dispatcher is, is the best kept job in the airline industry, in my opinion, because uh, we get to we get to play with airplanes. We get to use our flight planning skills. We get to be part of the operation and be responsible for moving customers uh, from point A to point B safely. But we also get to go home every night and we have a lot of family time. And no matter what what shift you work, you always come home opposed to being out on a trip. I think that that sums it up as far as being. Uh, one of some of the biggest benefits is you still get to enjoy being in the airline, but you're home, you're home quite a bit. So if that appeals to you, I think aircraft dispatch is a great way to go. Uh, we'll have links as far as all those different things that you can find out about being a dispatcher. And of course, uh, you can, if you have a question, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com and we'll for forward it on to Michael. He also has a podcast, flyinginlife.com. Check that out and uh, make sure you send him some questions. But Michael, before we close, what, what other advice, just general advice on becoming a successful dispatcher would you give to somebody who's thinking about starting out in that, in that part of their life? A dispatcher is someone who is a, a decision maker and assertive and we're a problem solver. Uh, a dispatcher never gets a phone call. Well, not never, very rarely gets a phone call. That's just to say, hey, how's it going? What's going on? How does the flight look like? Occasionally, we'll get crews that just call up and ask for a briefing and a lot more on the international side of things. But usually when our phone rings, we are answering and picking up a problem. And no one, we always joke, no one never calls to just say hi. They always come with a problem. So if you're someone that doesn't like fixing problems, being a dispatcher might not be a good option for you. But if you enjoy problem solving and trying to find out different solutions to a, a new problem, I mean, trust me, because you think about it. I should really t start taking notes and write a book about all the problems and things that customers do on an airplane or situations that happen. You know, it's just blows your mind. And you once you think, OK, I've seen it all. And then, no, something else happens. You're like, really? How does how do they think this works? But to me, that being a good problem solver makes you a good dispatcher. Um, but, you know, that's a skill that can be learned. But it, like I said, if, if you don't like being in solving other things people's problems, being a dispatcher might not be the best course for you. But if you're someone that really loves doing that, man, that that's an awesome job. Michael, this has been great having you back. Uh, hopefully you'll come back and talk some more. 
Yeah, Carl, it's it's always great uh, sitting down to talk to you. Uh, hopefully you'll get some more Atlanta layovers so we can uh, <laughs> meet in person and uh, share a few pints together again. Yes, we'll do that. And we'll bring a, a recorder, too, and get, give a quick update. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, maybe not after a couple pints, before the couple pints. How's that sound? <laughs> well, recording's all, recording podcast is always better after a few beers. Come on. <laughs> this, is, this is true. Well, Michael, this has been so cool. I can't wait to see you at the next show or... Uh, up at uh, on on a layover, and uh, this as always, somebody who's been is passionate about their job. It's great to have them on. Michael's one of those people, and has some great information. Terrific job being a dispatcher. It's fun. It's challenging. Uh, it's rewarding as far as both uh, internally and also financially. And I think it's something that I, that you should look into. And if you want to learn more, just you know, write us feedback at Aviation Curse Podcast. Check out his podcast, Flying in Life. But if you're interested in this or any other career, of course, the most important thing you need to do is you need to take action. You need to do something. Do something today. After you get off this this podcast, turn it off. Do something now to move forward in your career. It could be just looking something up on the internet, listening to a podcast, asking your friends. But I really want you to do something today to move forward in your career. Well, we'll talk to you next episode and say flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, all rights reserved. 